Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. I think my hour of prepping this show is going to be enough to to make a whole show out of, I think. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. But do you think it's just like one show or do you think we might be able to get two shows out of it? Uh, I was hoping just to get a single show out of it. Two shows, I think we'd, I, we'd have to really stretch this material. <laughs> Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host who loves to optimize his prep to get the most out of every session, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, who likes to uh, stretch my prep out into as much play material as possible. All right. This is a momentous occasion today. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, so this is a, a topic um, from Masakomi on Dice.Camp. So this is our first topic to come in via Mastodon, which is exciting. Um, so obviously, since Masakomi caught us there, uh, you can too, and you should drop us topics wherever, as usual, wherever you can find us. So today's topic um, is, as I said, from Masakomi on Dice.Camp, who asked us on the MMP 500 episode, JT talked about running a weekly session of around seven hours. So pausing before we get to the actual topic here, Phil, fill everybody in if they didn't listen to your episode 500 show, which I actually haven't finished listening to myself because it is two and a half hours long. Um, it's long, right? We went it's long. long. <laughs> you went long. Fill everybody yeah. in. Uh, sure. So we we just had we had JT Evans, who is uh, one of the writers at Gnome Stew, author, game designer um, and such. And JT was talking to us about running weekly sessions of seven hours, of which we all were like, oh, seven hours. Wow. Like we were like, what do you play like once a month or something? And he was like, no, weekly. And we were like, Holy oh, cow. goodness. Right. Like, <laughs> like weekly. Good. Like that's a lot of work. Yeah. Rightfully so. Right. Seven hours is a um, a pretty epic length of game for a single session. That's a and, whole day. It's a whole yeah, day. And, and for it to be weekly um, is even more impressive. So yes. anyway, that's just in case you didn't listen to episode 500. That's that's where this came from. But now returning back to uh, the, the topic at hand. Right. The or topic, topic requested. The topic requested. So picking that back up. Yes. Um, so Masakomi said, my wife and I both have trouble trying to find time to prep for a one and a half hour session in D&D. Seven hours weekly is mind boggling. We 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 agree. We agree. Concur. It's mind boggling. Concur. Yeah. Yes. Story games make this easier. But how the shit does one manage it in things like D&D where you need items and monsters and maps that won't be completely unbalanced in either direction? Obviously, without running pre-made campaigns. Yeah. Fantastic question. And great question. Yeah. And a place where I feel like we are well within our expertise here. Well, so, especially <laughs> yours. <laughs> yeah, we are we are really in the we are really in the wheelhouse today. Yeah. So the the this question comes down to the idea of prep to game ratio. And I'll define that really quick. The prep to game ratio is the hours of gaming you get out of an hour of prep. So um, ideally, 
right? We'd like that ratio to be pretty high, right? So if I'm doing an hour of prep, I'd like to get several hours of game out of that one hour of prep. Now, yes. we're not talking about stories and we're talking about sessions, right? So yes. to be clear, and let me just add a, le- a couple extra definitions. These are standard misdirected mark definitions. A session is the time that we come together to play the game. So when we sit down and pick up our dice and start playing to when we say good game, everybody, and start packing up our stuff, that is a session. A story is the thing that we play during the sessions that has a beginning, middle and end, our free talk pyramid, you know, the whole routine, our rising action, our climax, our denouement. That's a story. So a single story may take several sessions to complete, depending on a whole bunch of factors, some of which we'll talk about today. But when we are talking about the prep game ratio, we are talking about how much prep time, how much time are you sitting down working on your game in, and how much session time are you yielding for that prep? Make yes. sense? Yep. Okay. Absolute sense. Yep. So, um, but this topic, it's a little more complicated. I'm going to let you, um, I'm going to let you explain. It's not just prep that's at play here. There's actually two things that are at play. Yeah. Um, and, and it is about prep, but it's also about how you run it at the table. So the two major factors that we're going to talk about today on the show are how much playable content you can create in a fixed amount of time, which is that prep portion, right? And then we're also going to talk about the velocity or progress your group makes through that content during play. So that's the two factors that you can control, which is how much can I generate? And then it's how fast do we move through it? Right? Mm -hmm. And both of those things, as I said, those are things that you can tune and there are things that you can, to a certain extent, at least, right? Like nobody's going to have perfect, precise control. We will play this scene for 31 minutes and 10 seconds, right? Like, no, but we can tune them and we can, um, we can control how we push them or slow them down. Um, how, how much content you feel like you can produce versus how much you feel like you need, etc. Um, so, and then both of those, as Masukomi mentioned, also depend on the game that you're playing, right? So like just mechanically what is required um, and how much time do the mechanics take up and on your group itself and how much, you know, how fast they tend to move things and what their focus is, you know, if their focus is combat or their focus is role play or whatever, right? Um, and how they work together. Exactly. So uh, in order to properly answer this question, we're actually going to give tips for both parts of this. We're going to talk about how to make your prep more efficient, but then we're also going to talk about controlling the speed at which your game is playing out. Um, Because even it, because if you don't manage both sides of this equation, you could get a really good prep to game ratio, but mm-hmm. still be burning through material, right? Yeah. 
like the and and let me just say this i will fully admit as a person who preps more than you do there are yes. times there are times in there have been times in my games where circumstances during the week have conspired against me to where i have been able to put together very little prep and not wanting to cancel my game i will intentionally slow the speed and progress of my game down in order to stretch what prep I do have into enough material to fill the time in which we play so that I don't have to cancel my game. I can simply just be like, wow, I did not get as much as I wanted prepped this week, but I am going to take this little bit of prep and I am going to stretch it out into something much bigger so that everybody, so that we'll all still get together and we will have played. We just will not have gone through a lot of story. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and actually just mention something because um, we do joke a lot about me not prepping um, and, and have had that conversation a bunch of times. This won't be the first time that we've said this on the show either. Um, I don't do the style of very traditional prep that you tend towards. I do actually spend a bunch of time prepping sometimes. It just doesn't look like what a lot of people imagine as prep. And so, um, a lot of my then at the table, um, running a game is about controlling the release of that material and making my thoughts and ideas that I kind of had about the game, my like three bullet points that I'm running this entire thing off of, right? Like stretching that out to make it fill the appropriate amount of time that I am intending to run this session for. So I am just going to throw that out there just, just as we're, since we're having a conversation that is very specifically about prep um, you know, as much as we say, oh, Senda doesn't prep anything. Well, like, oh, okay. Like my prep doesn't look like his prep. Um, and it's because that's not the style of prep that works for me. Um, mm-hmm. and it might not be the style that works for you and that's fine too. Or it might be the kind that is what you require to run a game. Um, but either way, uh, the second half of this, where we talk about basically pacing, um, is going to apply no matter what style of prep you go into the game with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start off talking very specifically about prep and I want to hand it back to Phil for this. Um, firstly, because, uh, he literally wrote the book about maximizing your prep. Um, so (laughs) And there if I remember correctly, there are places where somebody gets to say something like that, but I feel right. pretty comfortable, right? Like, and it's like, like here we are, and this is it. I literally um, and wrote the book on that. Literally wrote the book, and and because you suddenly found yourself, and please feel free to correct me or tell more of the story. But my understanding is because you found yourself with a child, like a tiny infant baby, right? And suddenly having to come to terms with how much time you could spend prepping versus how much time you had previously been able to spend prepping. Correct. That's actually in the um, in the opening of the book. Yeah, that's exactly what happened was um, I was I was told by my ex that um, I wouldn't have time to spend on role playing. I wouldn't be able to game as much as I do now because I won't have the time, the free time that I will have once the baby's born kind of thing. And wisely, rather than being like, uh-uh, what do you know? I <laughs> closed my mouth and pondered that. Started to understand how much of my free time would be, you know, um, 
used up by both um, taking care of tiny baby, but also from sheer exhaustion of mm-hmm. having tiny baby in my life and yes. the chaos of having said tiny baby um, and then set out to be like, well, then I had better if I'm going to keep gaming at the pace I like gaming at, which is a game a week, I had better get better at the prep part so that I could keep the gaming part. Yes. And that is how I set out on the journey. Yep. That is how I set out on the journey of Never Unprepared. Yeah. So yeah, um, Never Unprepared, just really quick, shameless plug. Uh, You can get it on drive-thru. If you want a Dead Tree version of it, uh, check it out on Amazon. Uh, Go to Studio 2 Game, uh, Studio 2 Publishing. You can buy it directly from our distributor. Um, If you want electronically, hit it up on drive-thru. You can get um, the PDF, Mobi, EPUB, like it's all in a bundle, like I think there's even text if you just need a straight out text reader or something like it's all there. Isn't there an audiobook version too? Oh, shit. Yes, there is. You can also (laughs) get Never Unprepared via audiobook. Thank you. Forgot that one as well. Jeez. You can find that book pretty much everywhere. Okay, cool. Yes. All right. So what we're going to do is Senda and I are going to ping pong through a list of tips. Some of these... Many of these are in Never Unprepared. Some of these are actually in um, some Gnome Stew articles that I wrote. And I'll give you one more tip of advice. If you go to gnomestew.com and you search for prep light, prep dash L-I-T-E, prep light, you will find a collection of articles that I tagged with that tag that talk about shortcuts and tricks for cutting down your prep. That's the prep light tag um, at Gnome Stew. Okay, cool. Like I said, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, Yes. It's even a thing, and I'll talk about it after the list, but it's a thing that I Yeah, yeah. Because your your kiddo is like, what, 19 now? (laughs) Yeah, so you've been thinking about it for about about 18 years. (laughs) He is 18. Like, it is, uh, it's been a journey. Cool. All right, let's let's actually get into some, let's get into some tips here. I'll do the first one uh, because the first one is uh, probably one of the core pieces of Never Unprepared, which yes. is um, only prep what you need. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is there is a tendency, at least I had that tendency a long time ago when I was prepping to literally write everything down, like just stream of consciousness type out, you know, everything about the game. And what I eventually learned is there are parts of games that I am better at and parts of games that I am worse at. Like, I am pretty good at describing stuff, um, mm-hmm. but I'm always nervous I'm going to forget important things in dialogue. So when I prep, I tend to write very few descriptions or very few words for descriptions, knowing that when I get to the table, I will see a few words on the page and I will embellish them and describe something. But I will write out more like dialogue. Now, I don't typically write dialogue out verbatim, but I bullet out um, the key things this NPC needs to say Mm -hmm. so that I make sure that when I'm running, I see those things and I say them out loud. So in doing this, by only prepping what you need, the things that you're good at, don't put them in there or just put a word or two in there to remind you to do it and save yourself that time from writing that out and focus the time that you are actually going to, and I'm going to say put hands on keyboards, but this could be pen to paper, um, write out the stuff you do need to take to the table with you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's for me, that's like, that's where we get into like, Senda writes down three bullet points and then we, and then we go. Right. But, sure. um, but that's, that's me writing down only the stuff that I need to remember and, and need. Right. Anyway, sorry, back to my back to my disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. Um, the the next idea is uh, I, and I like how you wrote this because it's basically like uh, it's a fate um, aspect uh, aspect. Right. Like yes. never met a stat block I could not reskin. And I think that that's a really good aspect for everybody to have as GMs, especially when we talk about a game like D&D where, um, you know, there might be a lot of numbers kind of involved in a specific creature encounter, whatever it is. Right. So once you have a block of stats that accomplishes what you need it to in terms of balance, don't be shy to put a new name on that and a new description on that. And, and, you know, new, you know, instead of acid, this is a slime attack or whatever, you know, please feel free to make that into whatever it needs to be so that you don't have to go find another monster or you don't have to go find another thing that works in this particular circumstance. You know, these numbers are balanced for this, you know, particular encounter. Awesome. You can reskin it. 100%. I will tell you that there is even a Gnome Stew article called Wireframes and Skins mm-hmm. that uh, specifically talks about uh, specifically talks about just that, about um, just taking stats and reskinning them with new descriptions. And who will ever know? They won't. They, they won't really won't. Know. They're, they're not behind the screen with you. They won't know. So anyway, yeah. um, 100%. All right, next one I have is, uh, and this one I'll give a shout out to uh, my co-host from the Misdirected Mark, um, Jerry. Maximize your content sources. Jerry is great at this. In fact, I don't know anyone who has a better collection than Jerry does. But what I mean by this is uh, collect things like maps, magic item um, lists, um, random encounter tables, uh, books about plots uh, like Eureka, um, mm-hmm. which I also mm-hmm. co-wrote, or books another about NPCs, Good. <laughs> or like, like masks, masks <laughs> which is another book I wrote. Um, but <laughs> maximize your content sources, because one of the things specifically when we talk about games like D&D is that you need stuff. You need monsters, you need treasure, you need all of those things. And if you have to make them up yourself, um, that can be time consuming. But if you have, for instance, uh, a collection of maps, like maybe you um, have purchased some maps on Drive-Thru or you're a patron of Dyson um, Dyson Maps, like you then have like a folder of maps in your, you know, like in your directory that you can then grab one out and use. Uh, Same thing is true for, like I said, magic items, treasure tables, monsters. There is on drive-thru, it just a, I don't know, the better word than fuck ton of oh, these say, resources. Uh, <laughs> like, fuck ton is probably good. Cornucopia? Yeah. Cornucopia is probably the nicer, classier word. I like, like cornucopia. I, like, I do but like fuck, fuck ton. ton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of these sources. So um, collect up the ones that make sense for your game. Like I have several that I've been starting to hoard in preparation for a future cyberpunk game. Like I'm going to get ready to run cyberpunk red at some point later this year. And there have been several of these um, cyberpunk generic 
uh, supplements that I've been seeing, like of just random tables or whatever. And I'm just collecting them and like buying them and putting them in a directory because that is exactly the thing that I'm going to need. Now I'm going to just tack on to this one more thing. Your content sources don't have to be things that you purchase, but you know, if you would like to support some game designers on that, that's great. But let me give you some other sources, random, random name generators. Oh yeah. Those things are like amazing. Right. For modern games, I live with, um, I use the, um, behind the name to Mm -hmm. come up with, you know, I need an, I need a Spanish name. I need a French name, whatever. Boom. I go right to there, but I have other ones for fantasy. Um, I have other ones for fantasy sources. If you don't think that there is a random generator for something, just put the words, whatever it is you're looking for, random generator. I have found corporation random generators, planet random generators, alien species random generators, all of those things that just save me. Like when I'm prepping a game and I'm like, oh, I need a new planet. Right. And I just like I need a planet name and I just like pull up a list and I'm like, mm, that looks good. And I'm off and running again. So. Mm-hmm. Collect your content sources, get them organized, know how to access them. Uh, And then lastly, I'll say the other one is uh, ChatGPT is great for some of these. Like if you need it, if you need 50 and ChatGPT can do this. If you need a table of 50 items that could be in a person's pocket for pickpocketing, like mm-hmm. ask chat gpt to make that list if you need a um i asked it once for an alien planet it gave me like this great description of a planet i was like we'll use that like we'll totally just put that into my game so again maximize your content sources because this stuff will slow you down and then i guess specifically for dnd um, if you have beyond there are tools in beyond that mm-hmm. can also help you um if but, you still have a D&D Beyond subscription at this point. Yeah, if you're, if you're playing D&D and, you know, and you have a Beyond subscription, there are tools in there as well. But that's that's a big part of this is like to get a bunch of those tools to kind of help you um, get pieces that you need. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. St- yes, instead of having to generate everything yourself, have things that prompt the creativity 100%. and push you forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cool. The next one is to streamline your notes, um, which is something that Phil uh, touched on earlier in the process that he went through from like converting from paragraph stream of consciousness stuff to working in like bullet points, right? Which I've seen your game notes and I know that everything is now in bullet points. Um, Mm -hmm. My game notes are all always in bullet points as well. Um, And it really is about writing down, um, in in relation to the first point, writing down exactly what you need to prompt you to remember basically what, what you're, where you're going, what someone may need to say, or the important hints that need to happen in this scene or whatever it is. It's the stuff that you need to remember, um, or keep track of that you're not going to be able to just do in the moment. That's, and that's really all that needs to be in there is all the stuff that you need to keep yourself going and not any of the fluff that you will inevitably just, you know, say or come up with at the table. And what that looks like is going to be a little bit different for everybody. Um, my, my notes look very different from Phil's, for example. Um, but you know, the, yeah. the idea is make it, make it as short as works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I went, if I go back and look at my, session notes from the early 2000s Mm -hmm. they are 
like full on paragraphs, like fully written, full sentences, full paragraph kind of thing. And my notes now are just in one note and they are a bulleted list, indented, <laughs> occasional table, um, headers, and that's it, right? No sentences, no paragraphs, just bullet, 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 indent, mm -hmm. bullet, bullet, bullet. Like it, and it's just enough material that when I'm looking at it, sitting at the table, as I'm like glancing over to it, it's enough it to yes. keep me keep me going um, through that. And that is a huge one, right? So the more words that you can just not write, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I don't say this trivially, right? The more notes that you, the more things that you are not writing down. So combine that first bullet, only prep what you need with this bullet, which is streamline what you are actually putting down. You yes. are just, you're getting more and more um, playable material yes. onto that page. Yeah, more playable material per written down word, which means more playable material per time spent writing it down. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay, the next one is workshop your prep throughout the day. And I think this actually is also something um, that you do, which is why you often will show up to a game with three bullet points yes. on a post-it notice this because you're not really... Exactly what I do. Yeah. Yeah. You're not <laughs> really just... Um, you're not really just sitting down having not thought anything about the game, writing three bullet points and going to play it. You're no. giving this game... You're giving this game thought. I talk a lot about this in Never Unprepared. But you can... And in fact, your writing will go faster if you think about your game like I say workshop, right? Workshop it in your head. Mm -hmm. um, the more you work on it in your head before you sit down to write it, the faster it will go. Because part of what part of what happens is if you don't know what you're going to do in the game and you go to sit and write, you are both writing and and synthesizing, right? In your head, like you're trying to make up what happens next. And so you will write a bit and then you stop, you go glassy eyed as you think of what's going to come next. Mm -hmm. And then you write some and then you stop yes. and then you write some. If you use other parts of your day, um, driving in the car, waiting in line at the bank, um, the five minutes that no one else has shown up yet to the meeting because you got there a few minutes early, whatever it is. And you just in your head are like, OK, so this is going to happen. That's going to happen. I want this kind of creature there, I, you know, um, this, that, whatever. If you work through that, the more of it that you work out in your head, when you sit down and put your hands on a keyboard, the more of it you can just have flow out. And I will actually tack a sub bullet under this mm -hmm. workshop, your prep. Sure. And I will say that a hugely valuable tool and the only time I ever write paragraphs in any of my prep is I write for most of my games, I write a single page. Sometimes it's a few paragraphs. Sometimes it's a whole page that's called what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And we actually talked about this on Misdirected Mark. You can actually find an episode called what's really going on. It, it, the name comes from uh, the folks at um, Fear the Boot. And what it is, is it's a document that is here is what's going to happen in the game if the players don't do anything. And it allows me to frame out 
all the things that are going to happen before the players interfere with it. And then by the time I've worked the details out from that, which is workshopping, when I go to sit and actually prep the game, I know everything that's going to happen in this game because I've already thought about like the whole shape of this game and where where it would likely go. And then I can just start prepping the important parts. Plus, the more of it you've workshopped, the less of it you will realize you actually need to write down because you've yeah. thought about it so much. Yeah. And that that actually this this particular part, the workshop work, this is the work that I do always before I get to the table. Um, but it is not particularly visible um, in terms of what it looks like I have prepped. And this is why I tend to say that I'm a pretty low prep GM. Um, and, and really, I think I am a pretty low, low prep GM. But um, knowing... I, I don't even have anything as formalized as Phil's what's what's really going on document. Um, but the thing that I always sit down at the table knowing is who is the opposition? What do they want and why do they want it? Because then as the players start to interfere with those plans to make that thing happen, you can improvise from there, like, it, or at least for me, it means I understand how they would react and how I can improvise from that point, because I know what their goal is. So I know that, you know, they will adjust and try to achieve their goal in a new way, or, you know, something else will happen, because I know what they're trying to do. And so in many ways, it's kind of the same thing. But the key is that you've thought about that, and you kind of understand what's what's going on in your game right like what what is going on and then the players are going to interfere with it because that's what the, that's what they do right yeah exactly anyway um cool the last point is um actually related to your content sources again which is um in some ways but in other ways there's another part to this sorry whoop read the point. Okay. Um, is to use good tools that make the work easy. Right. And some of that is what Phil was talking about, like have resources available to you, name generators, etc. like that fill in where it might be harder for you. I'm terrible at names. I'm always using name generators. That's how I ended up being Idella Mifflin all over the internet, which no one can spell because elvish name generators. Well, that's what you get anyway. Um, but the other part of this is to use the tools that um, both engage you um, when you are going to create the prep that you've created um, and make it easy for you to then um, rediscover or have that stuff in front of you when you go to run the game. So for example, I will speak for Phil on his behalf again for a moment here, but I know that he uses OneNote um, for all of his game prep. And when he sits down at the table, he has all of his notes in front of him on his iPad usually, but I guess, do you use your laptop sometimes? Or is it just mm, only if I'm running on Only if I'm running online. Like when I run online yeah, yeah, for yeah. you, I use my laptop because I have both screens. But when I go to the table... I Thanks just have my I, I have my iPad, but OneNote is, you know, fully available on the Ridiculous. iPad. So, yeah. Um, so it's a really interesting thing, because for me, even though I work digitally all the time, my game notes tend to be something that I hand write into um, my um, my journal that has everything in it. Right. And that's true for me, whether I'm the player or the GM, like the game material is all collected in that one place in print. And I don't know why it is, but the act of writing it versus typing it works better for me. Um, so whatever that tool looks like for you, that is the place that that stuff happens, that is easy to engage with and makes it fast and fast for you both to, um, 
to engage with it, to do the prep and, and um, easy for you to deal with when you are at the table, whatever that tool looks like for you, use that one. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just kind of extend that out to things like, for instance, and this will sound trivial, but I'll give two examples of this. Sure. If, if your keyboard is clunky, hmm. like it's clunky, it's the, a type of keyboard you don't enjoy typing on or um, it doesn't work especially well or whatever, um, invest in a nicer keyboard. I'm not saying you have to go like full out like, you know, bajillion dollar keyboard, but like go like try out a few keyboards and find something that like fits your hands better, um, is smoother. I am, um, you and I both are... Um, addicted to um, Apple's wireless keyboards. I love, yeah. I have, I have <laughs> them for work and for, for home. And like, I am reticent to part with this keyboard. Like I love this keyboard and I um, really not... like the low profile keys. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you write your notes, get a nice pen. Now, when I say nice pen, I don't mean you have to spend hundreds of, hundreds of dollars on nice pens. Some of you, when you hear this, will regret the next words that I am saying <laughs> after you have spent a bunch of money. But if you are writing your notes and you have not gone to jetpens.com, you should, because uh -huh. for not a ton of money, you can get some nice stationery. I highly recommend Japanese stationery um, in terms of pens and papers. All of my favorite pens that I currently use day to day are all Japanese. Um, they did not cost me a lot of money. I just buy refills from jet pens, but they write so smoothly that for the games where I do write things down, it is nice to have that same thing with my pencils. Most of them, I think, are Japanese as well. And then in terms of paper, spending a little money on some like on a nice journal. Um, of which I know you do, um, will go a long way because the smoother your pen writes, you actually will write faster, or at least when you write, you're not tiring your hand out. You will enjoy it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to just jump in really quickly with one other thing. Firstly, if anybody wants to know, I have an addiction to the Rhodia web web notebooks um and i am on my um let's see one two three four i'm on my fifth one um and they are really delightful for writing but there are two other things that work for me personally which if you are a writer versus a typer for prep work you may want to consider some of this stuff i always buy the dot notebooks instead of the lined notebooks because it gives me the flexibility to either go portrait style or landscape style and it's easy to draw over if you need to just doodle a little thing because sometimes a little picture or a doodle is worth more than the words that you would write with it right um mm -hmm. and I, I feel that the dots give me more flexibility to do that so that's that is another reason why i prefer to do pen and paper than prep on the computer um but secondarily and this is just a thing i i have talked about these pens before they're not very expensive you can get an american kind if you like american pen thicknesses i like super tiny itty bitty points so i prefer the japanese version which is um you can get much smaller a much smaller point on but i have an obsession with all things frixion frixion is a brand um that is made by pilot 
They make they make them as ink pens. They make them as um, thin-tipped felt marker pens. They make them as thick-tipped coloring marker pens. And they have just released a glitter pen Frixion set. So when I tell you, you can get these for like everything in whatever color you want, I promise you it's out there. Um, the key thing about these pens is that they are erasable. And when I say that, I do not mean erasable like 1980s quote, erasable pens that you would flip them over and it would just smudge the ink all over the place. And we all thought it was supposed to be cool, but they didn't really work. No. You thought these they were pens. cool. I was left-handed. They're a nightmare. <laughs> well, two things about these pens. They're actually one of JetPen's highest recommendations for left-handers because the ink dries so fast. And then on top of that, um, the way that they erase is by uh, their its temperature, right? So you turn them over and you just erase with the little silicone tip. And once you get it warm enough, because the ink just has to get hot, it will erase it. And it really does truly fully erase, which is magic. So um, I'm not dealing with smudged pencil lead all over the inside of my notebooks. I have a beautiful tiny tipped pen that is a joy to write with on my dots. And it's just the best. Anyway, that was a deep rabbit hole onto some personal choices about tools. We should move on. Uh, I will <laughs> just briefly mention um, I am a uh, uni alpha is my uh, choice of pen and uh, my choice of pen. So the uni jet stream and the uni alpha are like my two favorite pens. Anyway, um, if you've never been to jet, if you've never been to jetpens.com, you're welcome. Also, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah there's free shipping at like 35 dollars. so just like add it all up in there until you've collected all the things <laughs> Do inevitably it all at once. every time inevitably every time we mention jet pens on the show there'll be a tweet <laughs> later where somebody will be yeah. like thank you damn and it. damn you right like, <laughs> okay cool i think we've moved along we have I think we have covered the maximize your playable content part let's yeah. flip it and talk about um, how fast your game is going, how much progress it's making and yes. uh, how you might be able to stretch things out. Right. Yeah. And this is the section in which we are start going to start referencing a whole bunch of other previous Panda episodes that have the, the like down and dirty details about um, some of these points just in, 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 you know, a whole hour spent on some of these. So please feel free to go back and listen. Um, hopefully, We'll, uh, hopefully we did good references. Um, I think just for the, uh, the basic sort of idea of um, talking about progress and pacing, um, episode 289 was, um, oh no, which one was that one? <laughs> it's one of the ones know. we had down to talk I'll about. Anyway, look. so um, episode 289, I think, was about um, how to both speed up and slow down your game and talking about progress and velocity um, in terms of content covered. Um, episode yeah, that's two driving that's driving the game. Driving the game. It was about specifically about pushing how, how to push more content or less content through the play of a session. Um, and then episode 250 was specifically about pacing for scenes um, and, and that kind of stuff. So those are two very general ones that you can go back and listen to that will, you know, additionally uh, fill out more of the information on this list that we're going to run through 
somewhat quickly, right? But um, let's just ping pong this. So if you want to slow your game down, here are some of the things that you can slip in that will inevitably make things happen a little bit slower instead of faster. Um, the first one is planning. The moment you oh boy. tell your players <laughs> to plan, <laughs> we've devoted whole episodes to how to try to make planning happen faster. And there's a certain amount of planning that is always going to take time, right? So planning um, anything they have to plan for, it's going to slow down how much game you get through in a night. You can session. sit back and relax. Yeah, let them <laughs> just let them plan. Yep. Yep. Uh, similar to planning. Um puzzles will also mm -hmm. slow players down and let me tell you why both of these slow players down these stop being character things yeah these start becoming player things right so when we talk about um layers or folks you know focuses and things like that both of these activities pull players back into the player space and they have to put their brains to work. They can't solve it with a role. They can't look up a rule or something like they have to sit and like work at this and it will slow them down. Planning and yeah. puzzles will grind them down in speed. Yep. In a good way. As in long as you way. make it interesting. It, yeah. As long as they're not just sitting there bored. Yeah. Correct. Um, the next one is uh, NPC to PC dialogue, right? So um, this is that moment where if they were going to go talk to the shopkeeper about something, if you were going fast, they could just say, hey, I want to ask them about this. And you might say, cool, they give you this information and then everybody moves on. If you are specifically slowing down the game, um, you might just play out this scene in dialogue, right? drop into first person um, dialogue for that NPC and that character play out that interaction um, and just let it take more time. Yep. Yep. Um, along the same theme, um, let them go equipment shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, like players love flipping through books, looking at uh, items and, and things like that. Like slow them right down with that. Mm hmm. That's a fun one. There's always a good shopping episode in there. Um, if you are dealing with combat, you might pad some HP or you might have a backup wave in combat. Make that combat just take a little longer. Yep. Just, I mean, look, I'm shameless in my days. Like, I don't do it very much anymore, but I will say this. In my days, I used to pad HP. Just add some HP onto the bad guy and um, not the sauce, not the... Um, the British <laughs> just, sauce. Just pour a little House sauce of Parliament on them sauce? No. before people no, no. just, you know, hit points, you know, right? I would, eat, I would eat him. <laughs> add some hit points to the um, to the NPC. But I have found that the better way to do this is just to send a backup wave in, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than actually tweaking the bad guy's hit points, which, you know, could be considered cheating, not cheating, but whatever. Just sending in a backup wave like halfway through combat is a great way to make combat um, longer. Like, just stretch it out. Um, just a longer. Yeah. Um, I'll add in the next one. Actually, I'm going to um, I'm going to save the one that's coming up next. We'll do that one right at the end. The next one is um, your GM voice and your cadence. Mm -hmm. How you choose to run the game as a GM will also set the pace for the game. If you speak very quickly, if your questions are short or um only require a one word answer, those kinds of things, then your game will tend to go fast, right? If I speak fast, if I'm asking you only one word answers, things like we then have to keep filling in space, right? And the game yes. moves forward. 
if I speak slower, if I describe things longer, describe more things in detail as we are playing, if I slow my voice down, if I ask open-ended questions like, what are you doing next? You know, mm-hmm. not, are you going back to the other room? What are you doing next? Um, then we're opening up the game and that opening it up slows things down. Like there's mm-hmm. a real way to kind of slow down the pace by how you use your voice and don't underestimate the power of it because, um, if you've ever run a con game and you're in the last hour and realize you have a bunch of material left, <laughs> you can get yeah. through it yep. <laughs> and you know what you have to do to get through it. So likewise, when you want to slow a game down or you want to stretch a game a little, stretch it out, slow down your voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next one is random encounters. Uh, don't be shy to just toss some other stuff in, right? Um, not every single thing that happens has to be directly related to the very specific plot that you are currently playing. It's okay if some random things just happen. And maybe those random things are related and they're random things that could happen because of the plot, but maybe they're not, right? And Mm -hmm. it's fine to just toss some of that stuff in um, to have more beats and more difference and interest as you go through the game. Just don't do what I did the first time I used random encounters in college, which was like um, 50% of them were just rats in the sewers. And it was just like different numbers of rats. And then after like the first hour, I realized all we'd done is run around and encounter rats. And it was really boring, even though I had different numbers coming up. So like, don't do that. Make the random tables like actually different. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <That's> good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the next one is scene framing. This actually kind of goes hand in hand with GM voice and cadence, but how you frame your scene and for reference in more detail, go to um, Pandas Talking Games episode 187, where we spend a whole episode on this. You can make your games go faster or slower based on how you set the scene up, how you frame it to the players. Um, there is... Um, to kind of sum up that episode, uh, you can uh, frame a scene very openly where you start like from a distance in the scene, describe things slowly and kind of work your way up to, okay, what do you do? And there are ways um, where you can frame a scene where with very few words, you are at the, okay, what do you do part? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and taking advantage of those, you can, Pick when you want to go faster, when you want to go slower, which way to frame out a scene. Yeah. Do you start across the city and talk about the whole drive to the warehouse before you get there and play all of that out? Or do you start as the door to the warehouse opens and you're immediately in combat? Right. Correct. Exactly. Just where do you Um, start that frame? (laughs) Yep, exactly. And then the last one. um, Oh, you know what? I'll add one more in before the last one. So here's, look, (laughs) this is a, well, because we were talking in the previous section about how sometimes I have um, stretched games out. Look, here's another one. If you need, if, and I don't recommend doing this one all the time, but it definitely works when you are short on material. Um, Take your time getting the game started. Game, like getting the, the, the gathering (laughs) of the group. Does that count? I mean, it kind of counts. It counts if you need to fill up two hours worth of time and you've only got an hour's worth of material. Okay, yes. So here's the point. There is a phase of the game that is like, and these terms aren't official. I've seen them used in a couple places, but there is a point called the gathering 
where everybody like comes to the space where we're going to play and starts setting up and putting their stuff together. And often this is a kind of social time, like people are getting out their characters, putting out their dice, talking to each other, grabbing drinks, whatever. If you need to stretch your game a little, like knowing you don't have a lot of material that day, don't rush the gathering. Mm -hmm. Let the gathering happen. Chat a little, be a little social. And after a little time has passed, been like, okay, guys, let's uh, let's wrap. Let's pull it together. Let's get started. Like you can just like you can control how long the gathering takes. Yeah. Just just a tip. Just a tip. All right. Cool. Just cool. Let's. um, all right, let's now. Oh, and the last Wait, one. The I was last, like, what last about one. The last, actual last one. Yeah, the, the last, last, last one. one. Um, which is combine some of these together, right? Obviously, you're not going to just do a single one of these. Like, you're not just going to run the entire game with a really slow voice um, and not use anything else, right? Like, pull these in as they make sense for the session that you are running and for the people that you're running for, all of that stuff. You know, you might not be able to use NPC and PC dialogue to stretch your game if your players don't like doing in-character dialogue, right? Right. Like, that might not work for you, but they might be really into equipment shopping and also the second wave in combat. And then you can, you know, also throw some puzzles at them and they have to plan something out. Right. Right. Or, you know, um, do a thing where you have some PC NPC dialogue in the middle of a combat. Yeah, like, absolutely. Slow the combat down to have yep. like the bad guy talking to one of the players before you make your next set of rolls. Monologue. <laughs> no, no, not monologue is the way you get killed. Dialogue. That's true. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> right. Dialogue is like the back and forth, but it will stretch your combat out. Yeah, it because will. you will have changed and it will also change beats. And there's Which a lot nice. of good reasons for actually doing it. Yeah. OK. Yep. So cool. Use a bunch. Use a bunch of different things. Mix them all together so that it's not just one thing. Cool. I think this is going to wind up actually being our wrap up. I have this section here where it says pulling okay. it together, and then I have another section that says wrap up. But I have a feeling this is our wrap up because um, we're going to kind of put everything together. There's one more thing that we missed that I'm just oh, going to okay. say really quickly. Sure, which sure. Which is the other thing to rely on is your ability to improvise and ad lib to fill the space when you need to. Right. Yes. And that's just that is a skill um, we've talked about before. And it is a skill that you can practice and learn, which I think we've said in a bunch of different places. Um, the episode that we've done that is completely focused on that is um, Panda's episode 127. So you can go check that out. It's a little old. I, maybe our opinions have changed. I don't know. Maybe it's time for Redux. I haven't listened to it. It's old, but um, but it's out there. And so just know um, if improvising more stuff means you have to prep less stuff, which is how it works for me generally. Um, mm-hmm. That is another skill that you can specifically focus on and learn and get better at. OK, now you can wrap it up. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Excellent. Cool. So let's put this all together, right? We spent the first half of the show talking about maximizing your prep. We talked the second half of the show about talking about controlling the pace and the speed of your game. So how does this all work together, right? So first, uh, we make our prep more efficient and we increase that prep to game ratio, right? Like the more like the way we're streamlining the tools we're using, the things that we're using to speed things up for us, we are increasing our amount of play for every hour of prep we're doing. And ideally, we'd like to get it to be like a two, like we'd like a two, three 
kind of thing. It's not precise. Don't kill yourself over trying to measure it. But the idea being that for the for every hour you put into the game, you're getting more play out of it. That's where you want to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, why, when you're prepping, take advantage of those slow scene items and work them into your prep. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to do a combat and you want to stretch it out a little, figure out how to put some dialogue in or um, set up the combat such that the players need to plan something before they attack. Right. Yeah. So now you've added planning to a combat and planning will slow them down. Like consider those things, um, figure out how to work them into your prep. Cool. And then remember that at your table, you control the speed of the scenes, right? And lean into your slow scenes when you need to and just let them breathe. Like not in a boring way. Don't let them linger and die. Um, We're not saying that. Um, But we are saying don't push things through when you don't need to, right? Mm -hmm. And then ad lib things when it when you need to and when it comes to you just to stretch the material that you've planned so you've planned a certain amount of material when you are comfortable ad libbing to fill in all of those gaps you can ad lib a lot um, of stuff to make that that amount of prep work that you did last you even longer so that at the table your ratio of prep time to play time goes up even higher that's what we like yeah and that ad libbing stuff can be just like in the middle of play mm-hmm. you see the opportunity like oh you know it'd be great is uh if this thing happened and just ad lib it in right yeah. and just you know take advantage of the scene and, and the thing is you can't prep for that so no. you know i am a person who preps a great deal of material right and, and for certain games i prep even more because i need to because of the games i'm running like mysteries and things like that but if in the middle of the game i see an opportunity yeah that i can it. capitalize on I, i'll give you a quick example i was uh we were playing ox our uh geniuses in space game and uh the geniuses were working on this project and i had it as like oh you need to make a couple rolls to get this thing to work and chris failed his role, which the initial roles are usually pretty hard to fail, but Chris was just having a crap night of rolling. So he just failed the role and he was working with one of the NPCs. And so the NPC was like, wow, like, I can't believe that didn't work. You know, like, I guess we don't have a really good rapport between us. Like, you know, maybe we should like, I don't know, we need to work better together. So the NPC decides like, and I just, this is an ad lib moment in the game. I'm like, oh, this NPC has learned that um, shared dangerous experiences bring people together. So then is like, I have an idea, like we're going rock climbing (laughs) of which Chris's character is not very physical. Right. So, yeah. um, So they go rock climbing and I'm like, cool, good. They pass this role. It's not even that hard of a difficulty. They pass this role and, you know, I'll give him an extra die for his die pool because now they work better together. Sure. And then Chris fails that role. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, like you get a little scuffed up, but he's now like he plays right into it. Like he's freaked out about the whole thing. And it leads to like a whole bunch more dialogue between a couple NPCs and Chris and about how like that wasn't what he needed, what, you know, he needed like just to get to know the person. And then eventually those two characters like sit and have tea together, like, and just kind of chat. And now actually have like this potentially budding romance that's starting to form. But, But none of that 
And I'm telling you, that was like a half hour of material, right? I had to yeah. like switch spotlights and jump back to Jerry and Bob to do other things. Sure. But that half hour material started from three lines in my notes that said players need to make the following checks in order for this thing to work. Chris yeah. failed the check. And then I just ad libbed in. I was like, oh, let's just do a thing. And then when that failed, I was like, nope, let's keep it going. Like it there's going. like, how are you going to get, you know, how are you going to get there? Yeah, exactly. And so what turned out to be three lines in my notes and what should have been probably 10 minutes worth of play yeah. turned into a half hour of play and some really good, like character building drama. Yeah. You can't prep that. Nope. Like, you can't prep that. That's just the stuff that even if you're a full prep GM, that's the stuff you just lean into. Like when you have the comfort and talent and like you've learned, you've developed the skill to do it. That's the stuff you just lean into and go with. And you will suddenly find that you have um, all of a sudden you have a lot way, less. Um, way more material than you think you have. Yeah. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Yeah. Cool. I want to just make one more mention of a thing that will also help your prep because it sure. just dawned on me just before we close out the show, going back to one of my favorite quotes from Vincent Baker ever. Mm -hmm. Vincent Baker uh, stated in Dogs in the Vineyard that um, the job of the GM is not to craft the solutions to problems, but is only to present problems to the players. So yes. also, if you build your prep around this philosophy of, okay, here is a problem and I used to be guilty of this until I read that statement. I would write the problem out mm -hmm. and then I would write down the most likely solution for what the players were going to do. Did they do that solution? Maybe, maybe not. If they didn't, I just wasted all those words. Yeah. Right. And, so and the I time got to very, figure it all out. Correct. Yeah. And once I got my ad-libbing skills like good enough what I do today is I write down problems and I don't care about solutions yep. because the solutions will happen at the table and I will play off the players. Like we're going to play tonight and we have a pretty, um, we're going to play long live queen tonight and we have a pretty mm -hmm. straightforward adventure. And part of that adventure, I'm not going to tell you, but involves like yeah, going to do like, a thing. And I could, <laughs> right. Like I could have written out like, Oh, the way to do this thing is you have to do X, Y, and Z. But I was like, nope, the objective is you have to do this thing. How you get to it, you'll figure that out. I, I yeah. don't need to like, I don't need to write that part out in my prep. All I have to do is I have opposition mm -hmm. and I have objective. Yeah. And the rest, I just rely on you for it. Yeah. So we'll see when we start playing tonight. It'll be in, it'll be pretty obvious. I'll tell you when we're playing. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I was just gonna is. say in agile product management terms, because I keep meaning to write a a, a Gnome Stew article about agile game running. What you're doing is you're stating a a problem. I would call it a story, but that would be confusing in this context. Um, and then you're stating requirements, and then you're basically saying solve it, right? Like, and that's that's a that's a that's a ticket. <laughs> That's a ticket yeah. that I write on a daily basis. I don't you're, know how to fix it. I'm not an engineer. Um, that's their job. Yeah, you're saving yourself so much prep. Like you can hack so much prep out of your game if you do not concern yourself with writing the solution to the problems you are presenting the players. Just trust that the players, once they workshop it at the table, will figure it out. 
Yeah, and rely on the 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 mechanics of your game to give you the basics. So things like, you know, basic difficulties so that you know a number. If they're like, can I do X, Y, Z? And you're like, well, that sounds pretty hard. You can throw them the hard threshold as what they have to achieve, right? Um, or the easy threshold or whatever it is for whatever that game is. That's, that's all you kind of yeah. have to have. And I will say this. If you kind of know what the most obvious thing is and you want to jot yourself a few notes like... Oh, if they're going to climb over the wall, right? It's a DC 15. They might tunnel over it. They might bluff a guard around it or something, but you'd be like, they have to get to the other side of this wall, right? Let me mm -hmm. back up. Let me do this whole as an example. Okay. So here's your example. example. Players need to get over the city wall, yes. right? To get into the city. Yes. Um, and they are wanted. So they can't just walk in like normal people. If they get seen, they'll, they'll get arrested. Sure. So, the most likely thing that the players could do is climb over the wall at sure. night, right? So I might jot myself a few notes. But in play, the players might be like, oh, I got a dig spell. Like we could sure. dig under. Um, well, I have oh, a disguise what if, kit. What if I used a lore to find like an ancient like sewer that leads us under? Sure. Yeah, okay. What if we just did you just say disguise? Yeah, I was like, I got a disguise yeah, what kit. If, yeah, yeah. What if we disguise ourselves? Right. So like the idea is that like you wrote the problem. You have to get into the city, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the reason why you can't just walk through normal. But don't write the don't write the solution. Like just you can write the most probable one. Like, oh, it's a DC 15 to get over the wall. Plus, they're going to have to make like a stealth check because there's guards that like, you know, frequently walk around, blah, 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 done. But don't write all the other potential solutions. That's where your ad lib comes in. If a player's like, hey, if I use my incredibly high lore skill um, to... Um, do some research about the ancient sewers that are no longer used under the city. Is it possible we could find a way in from the outside? Fuck yes, there is. Yeah, like, let's find out like, if you can find it. Yeah. Like one, I'm going to make that DC super easy. And two, I'm going to add lib and encounter when you get into that sewer that nobody's been into forever. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Those are two Boy, things that are going to happen there? at the table. Yeah. Even if I got to pause the game for 10 minutes and mm -hmm. be like, hey, everybody take a break, go refresh your drinks or whatever and go quick look up like plague rats or whatever. Like so I can <laughs> grab a couple stats like that shit's happening. I may not even require the role at that point. I may be like, cool. Yeah, you do some research for a day. You totally know how to find like you can find this like, you know, ancient cave that has an opening into the thing. Cool. Because we're just going to I'm going to eat you guys with plague rats and we're going to have a whole scene here. That I did not prep for, <laughs> that I now get to play, and my game just got longer for I'm less gonna, prep. I'm going to eat you guys with plague rats. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's how I work Good. behind the screen. I don't know. I mean, it's totally possible it's catacombs, too. You don't know. It could be skeletons. Could be. Yeah, whatever. Like, could it's awesome. Be both. Right? Like, oh, man. Random encounters. Play, Here we skeleton come. plague rats. Skeleton plague rats. That's. That's intense. That's a big fuck you to your players. Like that's right. a, yeah. that's a, that's <laughs> they're both small and they don't and they don't react well to pointy items because yeah, they're, yeah. they're only bones. Yeah, yeah. you have to smash okay, anyway. them so you're your rapier, not so good. Anyway. I think we've made our point we here. I hope so. We're going long. We said we were gonna go short, and here we are. Oh, I want to eat dinner. No dinner for you. <laughs> no dinner for me. All right. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 
in order for us to get to the closing of the show, Senda, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yeah. In Thacko with Advantage, Ange and Jared love talking about RPGs and D&D. Together, they share insights into the games they're running in the campaign journal and then tackle a variety of topics that affect the game in the DM's workshop. They're going to talk anyway, so they might as well record it. They're also cool to listen to. So like, you know... Mm, don't take that listen as just that they're yeah <laughs> <laughs> so just you know listen to them they're there cool to go. listen to so listen to them so listen to them perfect fantastic say something <laughs> where do people find us on the internet lots of places so many places that it's getting hard to do this section you can still find us on twitter um at pandas talk games i don't know what's going on over there with it's, it's on fire the the trash can is on fire i don't know i'm trying to still check it occasionally um you can yep. find us on dice.camp um we use both of our personal handles idella mithland and dna phil which are the same names you can find us on also on tiktok so if you want to send us a tiktok topic and actually ask us a question with your very own voice which i will then use in the episode oh maybe ryan will then use in the episode i guess we'll have to have a conversation about that um you can do that too, but you can also just send us an email, um, panda at misdirectedmark.com, and we will get your topic that way. And that is also great. Basically, any way that you want to contact us is awesome. And Phil, once they have found us somewhere, what can they do with that information? This is it right here. Uh, leave us a question. Ask us for information on a topic, something that is um, something that we can help you with to make your GMing or playing a better experience um, for just the simple fact that the more fun that you are having when you are GMing or playing your games, you'll just do it more often. And if you do it more often, you get to play more games, you get to play with more people. And you stay in the hobby longer. And that is what we're here for. As two people who have been in the hobby for quite some time. Hmm. Um, and if you add up those hours, they would have to retire. Right? Because they would be over the legal retirement age. I um, don't think it's quite that much. <laughs> I've got 40 years of gaming. Yeah, I only have like 20. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, we're getting we're up, coming on that. up on retirement age. Yes. Yeah, it's actually like 20. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're just a, okay, we're, cool. our, our collective experience is just a few years out from retirement. Anyway, yes. the point being is we <laughs> want you to be in this hobby for a long time. And the way that you do that is that you enjoy what you're doing. And so we want to help you enjoy it, especially like today's topic. Like, how do you like get enough prep to play for the length of time that you want to play? Like, if we can help you with that. That's awesome. Like, we would love to help you with that and all the other things that you might have questions about. So send them our way because we want to help. If you like what we're doing here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Um, if you are a patron, you will get access to the Slack Room for Life. Um, you will get the Bamboo Lounge. The occasional after show, we made an after show the other day on on uh, MM Plays. Um, what misdirected mark is now currently calling itself we made an after show the other day so you you will get that i don't know if we'll always make them but we do from time to time um, and they're yours um, at certain levels of our patronage uh, you can get access to the mm plays materials so 
I've uh, actually just written a setting called uh, Children of the Shroud. Bob named it. And uh, we're actually putting together our Cortex rule package for it. And we're going to start playing it on MM Plays. But you actually can have access to all of it um, if you uh, are also a patron of the show. So it's things like that. Um, in fact, our patrons actually um, are coming up with the background questions that I'm going to ask the players in session zero, which I thought was phenomenal. In fact, they did such a good job. I have I have questions I'm going to ask in session zero in almost every other session. So um, <laughs> we will be doing more things like that. Um, I will be engaging the uh, our Patreons um, as we are playing out the game to ask questions and have them give me suggestions and stuff anyway. All of that helps us immensely here on the network from everything from our hosting provider to buying cables so that our mics sound good and all of that stuff. And that is all possible because uh, you all uh, patron us. And so we appreciate that greatly. And thank you um, for that. If you are already a patron, thank you very much. And if you're unable to patron the show, we understand. But there is a little thing that you can do that helps us out immensely because we could use more exposure like we have a very um we have a very nice group of listeners we would not mind if you guys were a bigger group of listeners mm -hmm. but for the mm -hmm. like we would like you to just help us out with that senda how could people help us make our our little panda nook just a little bit bigger Boy, you asked me a question right as I started yawning. Um, yeah, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Um, wherever you listen to this show is great. Um, you can also just tell people about it. Let people know um, on whatever social media platform you now frequent. Uh, when somebody asks for podcast recommendations, if you feel it in your heart that it might be a good fit and you like it, um, you know, share it with people. That's usually how we really get people um, who are totally up for the show because they know exactly what they're getting. And thank you so much to everybody who has left a review. They leave us really warm and fuzzy inside and the folks who have recommended us. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Indeed. Indeed. Cool. All right. Senda. I guess this could, I, I'm supposed to ask you a question, but I'm the one yes. who's running tonight. Um, that is. Yeah, you are. Like, you, do you want me to ask you a question? What can I do to stretch out this game? <laughs> I already figured that out. Um, I think we talked about it. I think, I think we got it. Well, let me, so let me fine. ask you, are we sure. run? are we, uh, so Phil, <laughs> do you feel like you've planned enough material for our Long Live the Queen game tonight? Oh, I actually think I've planned enough material for a couple sessions. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloop! Click, click. Did you clicky? I did Good. clicky. Okay. Bloop! I realized, you know why we, um, sorry, I'm rearranging my mic, but you know why for a while there I kept doing the let's jam? It's because when I say, if I just say, oh, okay, here we go, three, two, one, clicky, then it's like, cool, three, two, one, clicky. But what I sometimes say is, ready, three, two, one, and then it's hard to not say let's jam. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've 
been here for the last five or six years. Like, I'm aware of I'm aware of where that comes <laughs> You're from. Aware of like, how this works? Yeah. Uh, like, where do I want did this you, microphone? Did you, did you think that was a surprise, or was that a recent revelation? No. No, it's just that if I don't say ready, if it doesn't go ready, oh, three, I see. Two, if it doesn't one, go with jam, ready, then it doesn't then it's feel easy to like say clicky, right? Okay. It's it's okay to say three, two, one, clicky, but when I say ready, three, two, one, let's do right. That's that's where it's hard. It's specifically the ready part. Okay, I, I'm with that you. I'm just you know, I was like, I was like, no, I'm pretty sure I know why we you know often open the show humming with um yes right. <laughs> Humming that song. Yeah, I'm not Good. unaware. Bloop. Cool. I'm oh, just going to make it just you. I didn't tweak the thingy. Okay, we're going to get right into recording because we're both sleepy and you need to make dinner. We are. We wrote, we are recording late because of me. <sighs> Bloop. All right, let's do, uh, let's do our count and then silence for Ryan. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. Are One. you going to? Two. <laughs> nope. Nope. Start <laughs> over. Start nope. Sorry. Okay. I said, are you ready? Yes. And then I said, yes, because I wasn't sure if you were And then I just needed you to not say anything else so I could do the counting. <laughs> okay, go. Bloop. Are you ready? <laughs> I can see you. You can nod. I'm nodding. I'm nodding. Oh, man, I'm never going to get to eat dinner tonight. Oh. Okay. Bloop. By the way, the... um. The suggested title, Prep Me Up. Prep, need a, prep me need a, up. Need a man or woman to prep me up. Prep me up. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a minute, I'm going to need a man or woman panda. to prep me In up. In a minute, I'm going to need a panda need a, to prep. Yeah. That's <laughs> off to Lizzo. Okay. I love that. Bloop. Hi, friendly neighborhood editor here, Ryan. Uh, I just wanted to say, Phil Senda, I thought that was a reference to Hans and Franz. Uh, so I was really hoping to hear a, I'm Phil and I'm Senda and we're here to prep you up. No? Just me? Okay. Bloop. Okay. I love it. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Bloop. Yeah, do, I don't know what else do, to say. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host that loves to make his prep as efficient as possible, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, who likes to not prep very much at all, stereotypically. He's giving me a look like I have chosen the wrong thing. You have? What, did you not see the hand symbol for stretch? It, I wanted it was you to jellyfish. do the second half of the topic. It was jellyfish. No, je <laughs> I'm so on, sorry. I want to eat dinner tonight. You're killing sorry. me. Like <sighs> we don't plan this. Okay, so I'm I'm what I who likes to I'm stretch my I'm your GM prep? who stretches out their material with ad libbing oh. and. Oh. Yeah, that's me. Okay, cool. Should we do, do this one more time? Sorry, Ryan. Bloop. There I think you go. I know the velocity of I know the velocity of our game. I am pretty sure that my um couple hours worth of work will yield several uh several sessions worth of material. Okay, good. Show me what you got. 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 